Welcome to the Wilderness Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel. And I'm your host, Jasmine. And we're so excited that you joined us for episode four. Today, we're going to be talking about all things fatigue, because this is the Tired Mom Show. It is the Tired Mom Show. (laughs) And this is the episode we wish we had had. Yeah, for sure. If you're in our Wilderness Mamas Facebook group, you saw that we put out a feeler to hear your thoughts and your perspective. If you're in a season of or had been through a season of fatigue in motherhood or your marriage or your spiritual walk or physical fatigue, whether that's struggling with a sickness or whether that's uh, dealing with a difficult relationship. So there's just so many aspects to the word fatigue and, and it really goes so deep. So we want to touch on that today, but we want to bring up real quick, our parents have launched their book. And if you've listened to our podcast for any amount of time, you've heard us talk about it, but they just released their newest edition and you can hear firsthand their account of their faith journey. This isn't just that our parents wrote a book, which is super, super cool. It's also that this has encouraged and grown our walk with God. It's a story that my husband and I in the past four months have referred back to, you know, God can do it for them. He can do it for us. And those are the kind of stories you need to be surrounding yourself with. So we would just encourage you to go check out their website, adventurewithgod.com. So go check it out. This is a great pivoting point because we lived out the book and there's just so many memories and and stories that I'm sure that you could touch upon. You have a better memory than I do. When we first started traveling, I was four. Such a baby. But you were, how old were you? Were you 13? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you, you remember. Well, I guess I have 14. I've just turned 14. You have a lot of memories of growing up with all of us on the bus and traveling with your five other siblings and two parents on a bus. Had you heard of anyone else doing that? Only a couple of families. So it wasn't like we're the only ones. No, we grew up, you know, with the Lucia family of Kids Turn Ministries mm-hmm. coming and they didn't live on a bus. They lived in a camper. So we've certainly seen it done, but it's it wasn't still. something you saw every day. Yeah. What like, do you feel like were some weird aspect? Like, did you ever go to sleepovers and the girls were like, oh my gosh, you know, from my friends and I, and you're just like, I don't know how to relate. Like, <laughs> well, of course I knew how to relate. Cause we had had a normal, I had a normal childhood, you know, for the first 14 years of my right, life. Right. So there is that. I'm sure you had some of that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not knowing like what normal life looked like for most kids weren't on the road 60 to 75% of the year. Right. Yeah, that's true. I went to one sleepover when I was 12 and she lived on a yacht. Wow. She lived on a hundred foot yacht. We had friends that lived on a (laughs) yacht. I I had one friend. I played soccer with her. And for the one season that I got to ever play a sport, (laughs) she was also homeschooled. And she said, you want to spend the night? I'm like, yeah, sure. Just, you know, give my mom the address. And she's like, oh, well, they'll have to talk to my parents because it's kind of in the ocean. I live on a yacht. I'm like, I'm like, that's so funny. I live on a bus. (laughs) And she was like, that's so funny. How long is your bus? And I'm like, 60 feet. And I'm like, how long is your boat? And she's like, 100 feet. I'm like, okay, well, you have me beat there. I had no idea you ever, first of all, had spent a night on a boat. But secondly, I actually chickened out. Mom came and got me. Did you? (laughs) It's like the only sleepover I was ever invited to. My mom came and got me. There, I just feel like we need to clarify. There are two very different types of homeschool experience. One (laughs) where you play one season of one sport one time. Yeah. And live on a bus. And two, <laughs> you live on a yacht. <laughs> she could have had her own reality TV show. I walked in and just for my 12-year-old mind, the cool points was that she had an entire homeschool room and it was like really sick. She Oops. had her homeschool because, room on a yacht. Because they would like travel and she would learn about where they were going when they were there. That must have been a really cool childhood. Yeah. She also I mean, it's kind of exactly entire... what happened to us, but it wasn't nearly as fancy as that. <laughs> yeah. They had servant quarters. I remember her giving me a tour of the yacht. 
And I'm like, what's down that staircase? She's like, oh, you can't go down there. That's where the servants live and stuff. I was like, what? I'm like, what she century? had a butler. Are you telling me that you went to a sleepover yeah. and there was a butler? And I kid you not, an entire freezer dedicated to Ben and Jerry's. They had it like every flavor under the sun in this oh freezer. We each, but she was so fancy. Like the sleepover was such a fancy, like posh sleepover that we didn't do bowls. We sat in the kitchen with quarts of ice cream, but it was like an understanding that after four spoonfuls, we'd put them all back. And a bunch just, of 12 year old girls on a yacht with a freezer full of Ben and Jerry's ice cream and a butler. And they were supposed to like only have four bites of ice cream. And now you understand why I asked mom to come get me. And I'm like, <laughs> wait, I was just getting ready. Where the, where the bowls? <laughs> like I was pre-gaming. We have a freezer <laughs> over here. I remember a lot of times just us sisters on the bus of Carrie's memories. Mm-hmm. I know that for a couple weeks there, we did some pranking on each other specifically. Mm-hmm. Is there anything you want to share with the, Again, <laughs> with <like> the crew? <laughs> so I guess I can I can share this. We're all moms here. Like no one's letting their five year old kids listen to this. And if you are, you should stop right now. <laughs> Have you ever seen the parent trap? Yeah. And how they like booby trap this cabin. Yes. And there's honey involved and lots of string and all of that. Best scene ever. So We used to travel the same churches, like we'd do a circuit, and we oftentimes would add one or we wouldn't have one, but we we got familiar with a lot of the same churches, and there was a church in West Virginia, Hedgesville Assembly, which we still love. I think they have a different name now, but great fellowship there. This one time, my cousin Kaylin was with me, and she would come down for spring break or whatever and meet up with us on the road and spend a couple of weeks, and so obviously, we weren't both going to fit you know, in my bunk in the bus, so we were given special privileges to make camp, like to make a little sleeping area with air mattresses in one of the Sunday school rooms at this church. We were probably 15. And I don't exactly remember all the details. We will probably hear from Abby and Carissa after this episode, (laughs) and they will add some clarification, which I welcome. I'm pretty sure they got mad at us because we wouldn't let them come in and hang out with us. Typical Typical big sister stuff. And I'm sure we weren't nice about it either. So I'm not saying we didn't deserve this, but pretty much it was this room is off limits for sticky fingered eight year olds, you know, get out. And then we went to the store with my mom. Well, when we got back, (laughs) there was this window for our Sunday school room that was facing out on like the parking area. Oh my gosh. And it was right above the entrance to that building. So if you were going to park in the back, you had to walk in under that window. So you'd, you'd see it. And as we drove in, we saw that in that window were three or four pairs of our underwear that had been taped to this window, (laughs) just sitting there. And honestly, I don't know why mom didn't just keep driving. Like, how do we ever show our faces there again? Like, just burn the place. Like, we just need to go. Well, then it gets worse because we go in. And inside the building on that floor, directly across from the room where we were staying, of course, those doors are Sunday school rooms that they had like glass panels and we had covered it with a garbage bag because like we're we're staying in that room. They had taken down the garbage bag and they put up more underwear Stop! and directly across from our door in that hallway was the youth pastor's office No, and he was there. No. Yes. We go into our room. It was ransacked. I'm telling you, they had taken, we had just gone shopping the day before. I remember specifically, we went to an outlet and they had a sale on underwear. And so I got bright red and yellow monkey banana underwear. Oh my word. I remember that. And they were in the window. (laughs) 
our bags had been gone through. Oh my god! There was stuff everywhere. I think they found strings somewhere. Thank God there was no honey involved. But like they just <laughs> absolutely went to town. <laughs> and I mean, you know the scream on the parent trap. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean, we just kept. What did you do? What did you do? I mean, we were beside ourselves, and of course, oh mom gosh. was livid. Mm-hmm. So they definitely got in trouble. Yeah. Oh my word! That's. That's fantastic. It was I, pretty that, epic. That's better than how I remembered it, honestly. It was it was horrible. I will say, though, that from then on, I definitely thought through how I treated them <laughs> when I had a friend over. <laughs> Just a little more careful, respected them. The other thing about that is that that church, at least the way I remember it as a kid, because that was like this other family that traveled, it was their home base, and they were kids' term ministries. I always looked at them as like the cooler older brother ministry that like we were kind of trying to be like a little <laughs> bit, but like, you know, just kind of couldn't ever quite mm-hmm. measure up. They were just so cool. And so that was their church. And so their, the whole church was cool. Like everything about the church was cool. Everyone that was there was really Oh, being cool. in proximity so, to yeah. the church made you cool. Right. Like yeah. it was the cool church. It was the church you wanted to be associated with, yeah. like in our minds. Yeah. Anything associated with Kids Turn Ministries or the Lushers, like oh, I saw them recently, like gave you status or whatever. Yeah. The fact that one of the Lusher girls is now my sister-in-law still oh, my word. is just so weird to me. Like that it's just so weird. The coolest thing. Like I am cooler because I am now related to her. Oh, for sure. Your kids are cooler. My kids are so much cooler. Because she's their aunt. Yeah. My kids have far exceeded like, their I'll projected give... coolness because <laughs> they have an auntie who was a loser. Yes. Yeah. We'll just crown her right now. Like coolest auntie. I thought that that was mine for as long as I, you know, but it's hers <laughs> that she can have it. This who she married in. I was like, no, that's, that's unattainable now. Rachel, if you're listening to this. We love you. Yeah. We, we absolutely love you and, and we, we love your you. family, but you are too cool for us. And that's a fact. So we had a lot of experiences growing up and these are just, these are stories you definitely will not read in the book, but there's a lot that you can read in between the lines. So definitely head on over to venturewithgod.com and order the book. If you haven't already and learn more for sure. Let's take a quick break for a minute so I can tell you about our podcast platform. When we decided to start a podcast, we had no idea what we were doing. I found a free podcast platform by Spotify that allows you to easily create and host your own show. It has a bunch of great tools that make us sound professional. If you're a mom like us that would like to get out there and start your own podcast, we highly recommend Spotify for podcasters. And if this sparks something in you, you probably should go check out their website, spotifyforpodcasters.com. Okay, let's get back to it. So today we're talking about fatigue. When you hear that word, where does your mind go, Jess? When you hear that word, like what's the first thing that you think of? Mm, A long, tiring, exhausting day that just won't end. It just keeps going and Mm. going. And of course, that's you know, we can feel that way on any given day, but I think it's just, it compounds when you wake up in the morning and you don't feel refreshed and you don't feel rested, maybe physically, but definitely not emotionally, mentally or spiritually. Just so drained past the point where you care about a lot of things. It kind of feels like someone is inside of you trying to squeeze one more serving of toothpaste out of you. And you just literally have nothing left. Like it's Mm -hmm. just past tired, past done. Just there's a rawness that's there, but not in like we can work with this. Like because she's finally being honest. Like it's we're past that. It's It's a dark place. I would say that fatigue 
is probably the physical manifestation of what a lot of us call depression. Mm. And that I'm not saying they're the same thing or that one has to include the other, but very physically oriented symptoms for a lot of it. But you're just done. Yeah, I I think that's interesting what you said about depression and I think you're probably right that depression and fatigue have very similar symptoms Mm -hmm. but they can be rooted from two very different things yeah this is a hard one to get going um because I think that it's pretty heavy like even just saying that word I feel like the air kind of thickened a little in Mm -hmm. here it's definitely a topic that no matter who you are you don't take lightly yeah and and it's hard to touch on it because there's so many facets right even just when we were I mean we've had weeks to lead up to this and think mm-hmm. about it and plan for this. And every time I thought about this episode, it was just like, there's so much to unpack here. Yeah. It's almost too much that there's no way we can touch upon today and validate everyone's experience. Right. Because there's just, everyone has a different version of fatigue. And I think that's why when I sent out that feeler on our Facebook group, are you in a season of fatigue? Like, what do you think of when that word is said? And we had a lot of moms respond and just say, well, this was my experience and this is how I got through it. But no two experiences are the same. And especially with this topic, I don't even think that people can use a lot of the same language. Mm -hmm. Because what you're exhibiting for signs of fatigue is going to look very different than what I'm exhibiting for signs of fatigue. Because we're different people. And this isn't necessarily anxiety. Where that can have variations for sure. But I think it's been normalized and there's enough language built up around it in Mm -hmm. our culture today that you can have an anxiety attack and I can have an anxiety attack and they're different, but we have enough language to tell each other what happened, right? Whereas this is almost like you got hit by a bus. Like you don't know what's happening until it's too late. Would you say that's true or? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that one of the best ways we can define uh, fatigue in a way that it is relatable to everybody is that you are a shell of yourself. But you have not lost the ability to connect emotionally, relationally, like if you were severely depressed, you have lost the desire to. Mm-hmm. there's no motivator. So that's why I said that I think that they do play off each other a little bit. And one might feed into the other because both roads end up taking you down to a place where you're isolated. You can't yeah. move on. You can't keep going mm-hmm. and you want to give up. Fatigue, I think, at least when I've seen it in my life, it's come out of a season that was just so demanding and so full and so hard on me physically and mentally, emotionally, spiritually, whatever, that it wasn't that I didn't have the will to keep trying. It was that I had run out of gas. Mm. and you still keep going. There's definitely a point in fatigue when you cross into unhealthy, depressive behavior. Yeah. But I would say most of us are somewhere between not realizing that we are on a road to fatigue and having a hard time coming to grips with the fact that we are and -hmm. what we have to do to get out of it. So if you've passed that point and you know you're severely fatigued, it's almost like at that point you're given a set of tools because you can recognize what it is. Not that it makes it easier or better or anything like that. That's certainly not the goal. We don't want to get that far, but it's easier to define in your life when you've gone so far Mm -hmm. that it's like, oh, that definitely is not me being overtired. That's not circumstantial. This is something that's happening in me that's yeah. changing how I see the world. Until you get to that point, I feel like it's it's so hard to put your finger on and it's hard to explain to other people. Yeah. It's very similar to overstimulation if we yeah. compare that to the episode we did a couple of couple episodes, uh, ago. episodes ago. I don't know if it's been weeks or months. I have no idea. It's years. Years ago. But yeah, you're right. Everyone's experience is different. So we're not trying today to say, here's a list of symptoms. We do have some symptoms. Yeah. Uh, but like, here's a list. And if you don't fall into this category, then it's not you. Or if you do fall into this category, 
than it's you. Like we're not saying that. Right. We're saying in your own personal experience, what are some cues that if you are normally functioning at, you know, let's say 80% and I'm being generous because I know a lot of us are sleep deprived moms, but if you're normally like I can get up and give it my all and maybe I'm not, you know, ready to run a marathon, but I'm pretty self-motivated, self-starter, whatever your normal threshold is 80%. I would say fatigue is that one day you wake up and you're at 50 and instead of inching back up to 55% the next day, you drop down to 48% and you just, it's a slow decline. It's not usually a drastic, like you're just a different person yeah it's that day by day you just find you have less to give Mm -hmm. and again this can be physical but it can also be relational yes emotional mental so keep that in mind as we walk through this because we don't want to be polarizing and we certainly don't want to say one size fits all in any way shape or form that if it doesn't relate to you it's not you but we have a a varied experience just between the research we've done and the two of us but I I think that it will bring enough out into the light Mm -hmm. that we can start to recognize different things and and more than anything like our goal here is never to diagnose anybody or I mean first of all because we're not doctors and we're not psychologists like we don't know what we're talking about like we're sharing our experience we're just a couple moms that had a couple hours to do some googling and you know look back on some journals and exactly like that and we just have the bandwidth today to talk exactly and we want to start the conversation so that you at home have just percolating on the back burner like huh that's interesting so I should be looking out for this stuff but also if maybe I see some of it in my life maybe now I have some tools and some verbiage to to approach it with yeah absolutely it's not all one size fits all I think that just like stress you can have fatigue in different areas Mm mm-hmm And I think the overwhelming aspect about fatigue is that it kind of bleeds out into every area very fast, but it can stem from one area. And so that's why our symptoms and our experiences look different. Whereas, you know, with something like overstimulation, it's typically external and it's typically like a lot of the same things. And it's because that is all in the same category. Right. (laughs) You know, it's all physical and fatigue isn't just physical, but it bleeds out physically very fast. And it's important to recognize as we walk forward that you can be in a season of relational fatigue or emotional fatigue or mental fatigue or physical fatigue or spiritual fatigue and not necessarily have the same experience as someone else who's physical fatigue from being a mom 24-7 and having a kid on your boob all the time or constantly on your leg ma 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 you know that fatigue will look so much different than a woman that is going through relational fatigue but they might bleed out similarly in a physical way where where you're just exhausted and you're not sleeping well or you're sleeping too much or you're not eating well. Like we said in the overstimulation and stress episode, if your mind can't deal with it, your body will find a way. And here we see that tried and true again. So I just Googled definition of fatigue and there's four different definitions. So the first one is extreme tiredness resulting from mental or physical exertion or illness. The next one is a reduction in the efficiency of a muscle or organ after prolonged activity. Like this is where you'd see runners fatigue. And the third definition is weakness in materials, especially metal caused by repeated variations of stress. And that's the term metal fatigue. And the last one I thought was interesting. I just wanted to throw it in here, but is menial non-military tasks performed by a soldier sometimes as a punishment. And I thought that was really interesting. That is interesting. <laughs> I almost laughed when I read that because I'm like, well, that's motherhood. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. I'm just kidding. But I can feel that way sometimes. 
things. So that's how the, the dictionary defines fatigue. It's interesting to me that when I read all of that, I was like, yeah, I definitely relate to each one of those categories. But at the same time, I don't feel like that even scratches the surface on my experience or what I felt. And I think it's because everyone's experiences are so different until they hit rock bottom and then suddenly everyone's symptoms look the same. Right. Well, there are different types of fatigue too. And I mean, we're not going to get into all that here. The one that this we're probably all talking about that we're going to kind of assume is this lifestyle or situational fatigue. So most likely cumulative fatigue is the culprit here. The other kinds of fatigue you can have is like when you wake up in the middle of the night and you're super, super groggy, Mm -hmm. like there's a type, there's a name for that. And that's a type of fatigue, but then also extreme sleep deprivation, which I'm not saying motherhood would not include, (laughs) but that's like literally your body starts shutting down because it's not functioning. So we're not talking about the physical, you cannot stay awake kind of fatigue. We're talking about the accumulation of circumstances or stimuli or stress, any kind of snowballing effect in your life that has now pushed you past the point of being able to easily recover. We all have hard days. We all get to points where physically or mentally you just feel exhausted. Mm -hmm. But I think what separates fatigue from those experiences is that maybe it would take a day or two, but over the course of several hours, especially if you're aware of the situation and addressing it, you can fix it. If you're mentally stressed, you can have a weekend where you just don't make plans and stay in and just recover. If you're physically tired, you can take naps. You know, it's like dealing with jet lag. Like we know how to handle those kind of things. And I think fatigue, or at least how we're defining it here today, is that maybe you've done that. You've tried to fix the symptoms, but it's just not having the same impact it should. Like there's just not enough of a difference that's being made between the deficit that you have and the deposit that you're making. So it's just, it's not... Does that make sense? Yeah, that's a good way to put it. So what causes it? We're going to run through some symptoms real quick. And again, this is not an exhaustive list. We're just going to try to see what we're looking at here. Sleep debt, which if you have not done a deep dive on this, you should. I did several months ago and I am now aware of my sleep debt. Doesn't mean I'm doing anything about it, (laughs) Um, but it's a very interesting concept and it's exactly what it sounds like. So looking at sleep debt, unprocessed emotional trauma, which yes, you can thank us. We are not talking about that here, but that's one of them. Physical trauma, though this could be being in a car accident. It could also be giving birth. Yes. Okay. Physical trauma, chronic stress. And I I would say that we usually think stress in work environments or whatever, but don't forget the stress and overstimulation episode. We got really into the stress side of things. So if you need a refresher on what stress is, go listen to that episode. And of course the word chronic means it's a condition that doesn't end. So if you have a pattern in your life where you're not recovering from or reducing the stress in your life, that's chronic stress. I would say also not carrying the right burdens. And we're going to dive into this a little bit later, but if you just think about it very practically, you were designed to carry specific types of burdens. Yeah. Just like back in the day, camels were used and then donkeys were used, depending on the terrain, would decide which animal you use to carry the burden. They were designed differently mm-hmm. to achieve different purposes. And when you have the burden of a job, a ministry, a responsibility, a role that you're playing in life, when you take on too much in a relationship, not your marriage, that doesn't count. When you take 
take on too much in like a friendship or when you just are trying to be someone that you're not yeah carrying the wrong burdens yeah will exhaust you faster than maybe anything else I mean it is the definition of trying to get a square peg into a round hole mm-hmm. like you were not made that way and yet you're trying to make yourself do something so of course your body physically but also you as a person is going to respond to that also this one I lived it this week I had just finished vacuuming and washing my floors and my amazing husband walks in having just mowed the grass and just covered you know how they are oh my gosh yeah and I'm just like <laughs> wait, wait 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 stop you said you have to stop I'm trying to protect my floors and it just it was such a beautiful picture to me that when we let people mm-hmm. track junk into our lives yeah we will feel it Mm. we will end up with the consequence of it. Like having people, and I'm not saying we don't carry each other burdens or we don't help each other through hard things. Of course we do. But doing it out of our own strength, first of all, and not out of the overflow of what Mm -hmm. God has given us will exhaust us. But also allowing people to drag their dirty shoes through our clean floors, it makes an impact. If you have, I'm not saying, you know, it's time to go cut things off with people, but if you have relationships that are negatively impacting you, whether it's because of the kind of individual they are, the kind of things that they talk about, or the fact that I mean, it's always negative, it's never positive, just th- those kind of interactions. Yeah. That's something you need to start taking to the Lord because it wears on you, whether you know it or not. There's yeah. nothing wrong with sitting with someone and praying with someone if you can keep your heart guarded to help them bear their burdens. Mm-hmm. But if you have your guard down, mm-hmm. you're going to start absorbing all of that junk. And before you know it, your clean floor is going to have grass and mud all through it because you didn't say no go back outside yeah (laughs) take take your boots off outside yeah like this is a safe space I love you I'm happy to be your friend but we don't talk negative here yeah no that's so good I think in this context I know that the word boundary is such a hot topic Mm. and everyone has an opinion about it but here specifically that's what this does Mm. because you weren't telling your husband don't come inside right you just said take your boots off and if he didn't want to take his boots off you would say well you know he'd still be sitting out there it's your choice it's yeah. yeah You can either take off your boots and come inside, or you can stay outside with your boots on. But the boundary I'm setting is that my floors won't get dirty. Yes. I love the book Keep Your Love On by Danny Silk. He talks about that specific example, actually, and how to grow in connection with people that God's put in your life, specifically your marriage, but also other relationships, and how you're always headed toward connection or away. And the beauty of the boundary is what it does is, I want to be in connection with you, but God's given me these floors to be a good steward of. God's given me my heart to be a good steward of. You can come in, but you need to take your boots off. And you're moving to connection with that person versus letting them track all over you and then holding bitterness moves them away. So you should check out that book. I love that principle of setting a boundary to protect from fatigue. We often don't think that little things like emotional tracking is what pushes things over the edge, but it can. Mm -hmm. Hopefully at this point, you're starting to kind of get a good idea of like where we're going with this, like what this looks like. And maybe thinking of some of your own experiences that maybe you've had similar symptoms or similar seasons of your life. I've had a couple of seasons I would probably say were defined by fatigue. I don't know that I want to go as far as to say I was severely fatigued, but I think that out of all the things going on in those two seasons, that was the overbearing burden that I had. I wasn't depressed. I hadn't given up. I just had nothing left. 
Mm -hmm. because there's a difference. Yeah. So whatever that looks like to you, we're calling it fatigue today, but that was where I was in this place. One of them was post-deployment, which is interesting. It wasn't actual deployment, actual deployment. I had this amazing grace from God that just continued to propel me through it. And I've heard, you know, other military wives, you know, say the same thing that when you're in the thick of it, like you just go into overdrive a little bit. Like there's, there's something there that you didn't realize was there. Not that it's not exhausting. It is, but you usually make it through the deployment, but it's the afterwards that everything kind of settles back in and you find yourself experiencing all the range of emotions and exhaustion that you didn't have the capacity to feel before. So post-deployment, Andrew comes home, we have a great few weeks, and then we ended up moving unexpectedly. I took a job, he was going back to school, and in a matter of like two months, we went from living on mom's driveway (laughs) and him working locally to us living in Pennsylvania, and I took a full-time job that was very new and very exciting, but of course lots and lots to learn and stressful in its own right. Probably a month and a half into being there, I received some news that even in retrospect, I can look at it and be like, you know, it wasn't like the worst possible thing that ever could have happened. It shouldn't really have affected me in such a severe way as it did. But I had already compounded the unexpected pregnancy of my first child, then leading up to deployment and getting used to having a new baby and all of that. And then he was gone for 10 months. And then he came home and the dust had barely settled and we felt called to Pennsylvania and this whole big life transition. So I know now looking back on it, it was cumulative. Like we were saying, Mm -hmm. you know, like just one thing after the next, it began to snowball, but it launched me into probably six months or more of this exhaustion. I just couldn't do anything about it. Like I was still going about my day and like everything on the outside, I was able to kind of keep myself pulled together, but I had no capacity for relationships emotionally. I was turned off. Mm -hmm. I just was done. And what I see now having come through it and being so many years removed from it was that what I thought I needed was a miracle to somehow fix all my problems. Mm -hmm. Sure. That would have been great. It's always great. What I actually needed was sustained, continual, habitual rest, Mm -hmm. being able to learn how to put that back in my lifestyle. One of the biggest things that I did for myself when Andrew was gone was I did have time that was just for me and I spent it working out, but it wasn't a job. It was a pleasure and it was just my time. It was sacred. I wouldn't let anything interrupt it. And that was the first thing that left when I started working full time was that having time to myself, you know, right. 45 minutes to an hour every single day for myself was no longer on the table. And so I can just kind of see how with all the other things that work against me in that and not having time to rejuvenate or refresh, yeah. how it just, it was, it prolonged it. I wanted to get out of it, but I couldn't get out of it. And that was my first experience. Mm. And I did eventually get out of it. I think somewhere between six to eight months. And this is a story for another time, but my husband and I had a conversation that was able to nail on the head what was going on. And from there, God was able to start healing it, but it definitely took a while. Yeah. The second experience I had was after our miscarriage. And Mm -hmm. I'm sure we'll take some time here one of these days and record an episode for the people who have dealt with infertility and miscarriages and stillborn births. But that's not really what we're going to talk about today. But as I'm sure you can imagine, like coming out of that experience, something in me just snapped and I didn't have the motivation or the the drive to feel better. But again, it wasn't this depressed, like everything is horrible. It was just, I can't quite move yet. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't want to take care of myself. I didn't want to take care of my kids. I mm. wanted to get in bed and go to sleep. I was so past burned out. My experience was different than a lot of people's stories that I've heard. It just, it took a long time for the process. So it was a matter of seven or eight weeks 
mm-hmm. from the time we found out that we miscarried until the time that we actually miscarried. Mm-hmm. And um, that prolonged like just the waiting and all of it. It just, yeah, it really hurt our hearts and had a lot of crazy symptoms in my body and just all of it compiled together to just a, a crazy person that had very little capacity for emotionally connecting, but also no energy to handle daily life. So, I mean, in both of those experiences, I had, you know, physical fatigue or burnout. Certainly there was emotional stuff going on, lots of input from my circumstances that was contributing, but also how I was processing it and the actual event that I was going through in both of those cases. So I have seen in other people's lives and in my own, how just enough bad days compiled together can start to lead to what we might call mommy burnout, where you just feel done, where you just need to go be by yourself you just need to have some time. I think that what makes fatigue a little different is that it's so many of those events compounded. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes it doesn't even come out because you just need 20 minutes to yourself over and over and over and over and over again. Like usually we can still kind of keep our our heads above water, but then something like a big life event comes along, something you weren't bracing for, you weren't prepared for. Mm -hmm. And all of the deficiencies that have been snowballing for days or weeks or months now then we feel that impact and and they begin to have a louder voice, Mm -hmm. I guess we could say. So I think that in the more traumatic situations in life, obviously we expect to have some kind of fallout. What we don't necessarily expect is to get through a traumatic or a difficult season and then have the fallout. And I mean, I'm sure everyone's different, but I've seen in my life how I can handle the trauma or the the difficult circumstance. I mean, it's not fun and I don't like it, but like I can survive through it. Right. It's those several weeks following that everything then comes crashing down and I just, I don't have anything left. It's like I was able to get through on fumes <laughs> and then I'm really done. Like we're really empty after that. Yeah. And that goes back to the fawn response, you know? Mm. There's definitely a grace that God gives us in a season where he knows something's headed our way because I've felt that. But it can also be met with our psychological response, I think. Mm-hmm. I think it comes back to what we believe about God. You know, if, if we expect that bad news or crazy circumstance was authorized, it went across God's desk, mm-hmm. as you like to put it, then we can know that he's going to meet us there with the grace and that our psychological response to protecting our heart in that situation isn't necessary because God is. But I think that our innate response is, well, this came as a surprise to me, so it came as a surprise to God. And not that if we could catch that thought, we would obviously combat it. It's the fact that we usually don't. Yeah. Because there's so much going on. Aaron and I were watching Star Wars and Obi-Wan warned Anakin, be mindful of your thoughts, Anakin. Don't let any negativity sink into your thinking. And we paused it and I'm like, man, Aaron, you've got to (laughs) be saying that to each other. Like, be mindful of your thoughts, Rachel. Yes. Don't let let this sink into your thing like be aware and you know just despite everything that's going on making it a daily habit of where are my thoughts you know what am I thinking and bringing them before the Lord so yeah there's definitely a grace but I also think that there's our psychological response when we're not partnering with God's identity the way we should be
that actually happened to me when I was walking through a hard season of health issues with a really close friend of mine. And she unexpectedly had a lot of really severe health issues. And I was very close to her. And that was such an honor to be able to walk through that season with her. But there was a point where it was degrading my health and degrading my walk. And God had brought people into her life to partner with her in that season to help bear her burden. And I couldn't let go. And if I had been more aware of God's grace for me, and more aware of my thought patterns in that season, I wouldn't have fallen into fatigue. But because I was naive and immature and there was a lot of other things going on too at the same time, things that were happening in my heart with other relationships and I was in a wilderness season in my own life, what it became was a excuse for me not to deal with my issues. And I didn't see how unhealthy it was for me because like I said, God had brought people into her life that could help. And I had helped for a short season and God had brought me to a point where I could have bowed out um, and been there as prayer and spiritual and emotional support from afar. And instead, I insisted on taking a very physical and relational role and not in the place I could carry that. And what it ended up doing was pushing me right over an already burned out season. It just pushed me right over the edge. And then COVID hit. (laughs) That quarantine time that everyone had, he had ordained in my life as a rest and recovery period, it really became a season that I walked through just utter depression and fatigue. And there were weeks that I did nothing but sleep and walk around the house and then go back to sleep because there there was so much going on in my heart. And if I had allowed God into that sooner, if I had brought those burdens to the Lord and said, God, this is weighing on me and I don't know how I can carry this on my own instead of trying to on my own for so long. Looking back, I see so clearly that point in my story and in her story where God had said, I allowed you to walk with her for this season. And then I brought someone else for her to walk with. You needed to let go. You needed to just be spiritual support for her from then on out. And instead, I just continued to like let it compound and I continued to show up in ways I couldn't physically and emotionally and spiritually maintain on my own. And so God had made provision and you just see me staying in the wilderness and walking in circles, you know, God had given her provision and given her away. And I just kept going back and going back out of shame and out of guilt because of all the other burdens I was feeling in my life and I didn't want to confront. And what he had ordained going into quarantine as a season of rest for me, I had really just taken on as a season of like mental warfare. I remember going to your house and sitting on the end of your bed and and saying, you know, Jasmine, I don't know what to do. I can't get out of my head. I don't know if I should see a doctor and get a prescription because I don't want to wake up. And I say all of that to say that it doesn't just have to be mommy burnout. Fatigue isn't just mommy burnout. Although, I mean, I know you've experienced that and I've come close a couple times in just the eight months I've been a mom. But it also looks like relational burnout or fatigue and spiritual fatigue and emotional fatigue. And when you're in a season where God has already brought you out by yourself, the worst thing you can do is close your palms and and keep walking the direction that you thought you were supposed to walk in. Because God brought you out there not because he was like, I want to see how fast you can run through this obstacle course like we talked about a couple episodes ago. I want to see how far you can carry that on your own. He brought you out there to be with him so that he could refresh your life so that there was no one else for you to transfer that burden to. It wasn't until that got through my thick skull. 
years later, if I had just opened my palms and said, God, I can't do this on my own. I don't know how to take care of this friend. I don't know how to take care of myself. I don't know how to take care of the hurt that I'm experiencing. And I need you to take this off of me. I think the two years of healing that he so graciously allowed me to walk through might have gone so much faster if I had just let go sooner. And I think the lie about fatigue is that we have to fix it ourselves. And the truth is, is that it is impossible for you to mend on your own. Yes. That you need your father and your healer and your counselor to come beside you and show you where to mend. And it's work you might not even be able to do. It's just work that you need to be aware of. So if you're listening and you're in a season of wilderness and fatigue, we're with you. And don't let what God's allowed to bring you to this place that he could take that pack off of you to take years for you to get to the point of going, I was just trying to grin and bear it because I wanted to be strong for you, daddy. And he's going, I didn't need you to be strong. I just needed you to give it to me. I just needed you to be honest. We were never meant to carry this load on our own. When we were preparing for this and I was thinking like, what is the root of fatigue? I kept coming back to eight out of 10 times. It's a load that we weren't meant to carry. Whether it's expectations from other people, expectations that were unrealistic of ourselves, whether it is a expectation that we have of God that's not true, or a seed of doubt or a lie that we've allowed into the foundation of our faith, whether it is the expectation that we need to be the best wife or the best mom or our sisters or mother-in-laws or friends' opinion or expectation of how we should do life. And all of a sudden, we're walking through the day and we're trying our best to, to, to live at a 10 when our measuring stick for life should never be compared to someone else's, right? Aaron was just telling me that this morning. He's like, you shouldn't compare how you mother to how anyone else mothers. Because first of all, that's not your kid. And second of all, God gave you your child and he has a special measuring stick for what success looks like today for you. It's completely different than your friends or your sisters or your mothers or your whoever, the person on Instagram. It's completely different. And so if you're walking and partnering with the Holy Spirit, then that's good enough. You don't have to worry about what everyone else is doing. He just wants you to look at him. I feel like fatigue is so easily avoidable when we have God's measuring stick for life. And the reason that I fell into it is because there was a way I thought I should have walked through that season according to what I thought other people were thinking, not even what they told me. And that's not at all how God wanted me to walk through that season. You know, there's a passage in Matthew 11 that I think we all know and love. And that's a passage actually God gave me a few weeks earlier when I started to feel some mommy burnout. In Matthew 11:28, Jesus says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And I was studying the whole passage in context and realized at the beginning of the chapter, it was the story about how John the baptizer sent his disciples to Jesus when he was in prison and awaiting what he probably knew or assumed would be execution, which we see in a few chapters later. And he sent his disciples to to Jesus. But what I love here is that we see a holy man of God, Mm. probably the most influential 
up until Jesus came into his ministry since the great prophets and Jesus even compared him to Elijah. And what I love is that we see John the Baptist in prison is experiencing fatigue. And then just verses later, Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. And what I never connected was that that could have been Jesus's response to that situation. Hmm. And his thoughts, and he exalted John to the crowds, you know, but then later we see his heart for John. And it was so encouraging to me to read a portion of scripture about a prophet that not just had doubts, but was really struggling with this realization because he knew that Jesus was the one. I just think that he began to doubt that God's goodness was for him. Well, absolutely. I mean, the implication is if you're the one why am I stuck in prison? Right. Yeah. Why aren't you that good to me too? Yeah. I love, I'm just going to paraphrase, but I love the quote by C.S. Lewis says, the root of all evil is the seed of doubt that Mm. God isn't as good as he says he is. Wow. And that's so true. And I think that as soon as that seed of doubt seeps into the foundation of our faith, we could very well be experiencing spiritual fatigue or burnout, but it just seeps in and bleeds out into all these different areas. And suddenly you're looking at relationships and going, I just, I can't invest. I have nothing to give. You're looking at church and going, that's great that they need help and volunteers, but I have no energy left. You know, you're looking at your kids and your husband who are meant to be blessings Mm -hmm. and going, I just can't wait till I go to sleep. So I don't have to deal with them. And if you're there, we've all been there. Those aren't bad thoughts, but something like spiritual fatigue or burnout oftentimes bleeds out into all these other areas and the root of it was a situation where you begin to doubt God's goodness. I really want to read that verse again in the Passion Translation. Just rocked my world. Verse 28. Are you weary, carrying a heavy burden? Come to me and I will refresh your life for I am your oasis. Simply join your life with mine. Learn my ways and you'll discover that I'm gentle, humble, and easy to please. You'll find refreshment and rest in me. For all that I require of you will be pleasant and easy to bear. And as I read that this week, I just kept asking God over and over and over. (laughs) God, is this what you require of me today? Like, give me your expectations of me today. Is this what you want for me today? And my priorities shifted and things began to rebalance. And that doesn't negate fatigue, but it certainly helps with the load while you recover. Because recovery is the goal. We know that we'll all go through seasons where we're tapped out, where we just have too much that's being asked of us or pouring out more than we're getting poured into. It's not a question of whether or not we will be in a place where we we could say, yeah, I've got nothing left. It's what do you do when you get there? When you're there, how do you recover, come back from that, start walking yourself back from the edge of that cliff as opposed to pretending it doesn't exist and then some big thing comes along and just pushes you over the edge? Yeah. We know that God doesn't lay anything ill-fitting on us, right? His yoke is easy and his burden is light. And I think that there's a lie circulating that God won't give you more than you can handle. Um, That's not what that verse says. It says that all that you require of me will be pleasant and easy to bear. And that's in the passion. And there's a lot of other translations, but they all boil down to the same thing, Mm -hmm. that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And if you look at a yoke, right? I don't know if you guys 
seen one of those before. But whenever I think of this passage, I think of my dad. He, he would always share this image when he preached on it. And it was of two oxen. Oxen. Yeah, it was of two oxen. And he said in that culture was always one young and sprite and rearing to go oxen. And then they would partner that with an old, experienced, wise, and seasoned oxen. And because of that, one was obviously bigger than the other. And so when I think of the yoke that I have with Christ, there is a scale that's swinging in the balance. Mm-hmm. And what lands on his shoulders is a lot heavier. Yes. And he's taking the weight off. I, I mean, I moved to couch with Aaron a, a month ago and the side that he was carrying was a lot heavier than the side <laughs> that I was carrying because he was taking the pressure off with his shoulders. And that's what this passage means. Yes. Beautiful. God will give us more than we can handle. He just won't let us handle it on our own. And the hardship of that previous statement is that we think that we have to grin and bear it. Yes. We have to be tough cookies because we need to be strong Christians and just have faith in the Lord that he'll come through it. And God is going, why are you waiting for me to come through for you? I'm right here walking through it with you. Mm -hmm. I don't want you to wait for me to do something grand and miraculous, although he has and he will. Mm Mm-hmm. I want you to walk through this with me. Let me have that yoke. Let me partner with you. Stop trying to pull it on your own because that's not even the direction I was heading. Yes. You know? So good. And when I think of the yoke and my place in it, the image I see in my head is there's inches of space. Like of air. Of air, yes. Between your back and the yoke. Exactly. And you're kind of being almost hoisted along more than you're actually pulling. Yes. That's so beautiful. I think that's what he meant by my burden is light. And on the message says, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't mm-hmm. lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn how to live freely and lightly. And just re- really whatever version you read this in, <laughs> it doesn't matter because the message is the same. Like God has a way to live life that doesn't look like ours. That's right. So fatigue is completely unavoidable when you're walking with Christ because the truth is, yeah, things are going to be hard and you're going to be tired. And there's seasons where we even see John the Baptist and Elijah and even Jesus go, God, take this cup from me, you know, and have seasons of depression or or seasons of, of doubt. And that's all normal and natural and that's okay. But they all came to the Father. Yes. And that's the difference between walking in a continual season of fatigue and having moments of, God, I can't do this. Yes. I don't know how to do this. This is really hard. And the father going, I know it's hard, but I'm right here and I'm shouldering this with you. Let me show you how to walk through this. So when I was looking through the different reasons we fall into fatigue in the first place, And that being the ultimate reason is we're not allowing God to carry. I began to see in my own life, the root of fatigue for me looked like people pleasing, Mm. relational catering, emotional catering, situational manipulation, respecting others more than I respect God and myself. Those are all symptoms of relational fatigue. And that's not the yoke of God. Mm -mm. That's not what he has for us. That, that quite literally is us taking control of things to try to manipulate things or make up for lack. And there is no lack in Christ. Mm-hmm. And Christ is in us. Another root of fatigue in my life was unrealistic expectations, the need to control myself and others in a consistent manner that brings a preconceived outcome. And I mean, that's manipulation, guys. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's not of God. It's actually dangerous because what we're 
doing is exalting our idea of how things should go above God's idea, and that's witchcraft. Preach. Wow. Wow. Yes. (laughs) That's something I was really convicted about this week. So if it hit anybody else, it's still hitting me. So Uh, the other root of fatigue in my life was self-image. It's worrying about my physical appearance, my personality appearance. Mm -hmm. And so I would emotionally stuff or overshare to try to make up for that, how I was perceived and then relational manipulation. I mean, I don't even know if that one needs a definition. Mm. I think we've all done that at one point or another. But they they all come down to the core motivation of self-image, mm-hmm. which is unrealistic expectation again. Yeah. And that stems right back to that symptom of fatigue. And then the last one was actually, like we were saying with John the Baptist or Elijah or Jesus, godly pressure or what another way to look at it is a heavenly boundary. Mm-hmm. We can experience fatigue because of a heavenly boundary where God's going, this isn't what I have for you. Yes. Um, and I'm going to make you uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And sometimes like we, we talked about in the last couple of episodes, sometimes it's not a place. It's a trait that mm-hmm. he didn't put in us that he needs us to be uncomfortable with until it leaves. Yes. Until it gets out. Like when we come into the wilderness, I don't know where that trait went, but by the time I exited, it left, you know, that's and right. that's, that's a godly pressure or a heavenly boundary. It can be a pleasant and uncomfortable circumstance that draws us closer to God, closer to the person he made us to become and, or to keep you away from danger or outside of his will. And then there's spiritual fatigue. And this is the lie that is embedded in the root of our foundation that we believe about ourselves or about God. It's also walking in a season of wilderness for longer than I can handle on my own and not being poured into or pouring out the way that I was designed to. What this all boils down to is these are all weights that we were not designed, not created, and not meant to carry on our own. That's right. Even the heavenly boundary, you see where God Mm -hmm. has partnered with us in that. So when we break fatigue down into these areas, it looks a lot less massive and scary. Oh, definitely. Because we're looking at heart issues that the heart surgeon can just so easily mm-hmm. change in us. It doesn't feel easy, <laughs> but he can so easily heal in us. And it also, I think, helps us from falling into them so quickly. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've looked at people pleasing like, oh, yeah, that's that's a really poor family trait, right? <laughs> But when I see that over and over and over and over and suddenly I have social anxiety and then suddenly I'm scared to just hang out with members of my family or friends or church. And it all came back to the fact that I felt a pressure to please Mm -hmm. certain people and had unrealistic expectations. It would be completely avoidable to have experienced fatigue in the first place if I had caught the train of thought before it left the station. Mm, That's a good line. I'm pretty sure you said that. Well, then it was the Lord. (laughs) So if we know where the seeds of fatigue are planted in those different areas of Mm -hmm. our life, how do we help them? This is a spiritually rooted problem. It's a symptom of something that's going on when we take those burdens that we were not meant to carry and we weren't meant to bear. Not to oversimplify this, but this is one of those trickle down things that if your heart is right, it will change. Like Mm. we're not disregarding the physical side and we'll definitely talk about that in a minute, but the mental and emotional and spiritual burden of fatigue is a heart issue. It's something that you need to, I mean, get on your face before God, Mm -hmm. go to your father, ask him to pour into you, to refill you, to open your eyes to where you're carrying burdens that you shouldn't be carrying, or you're, you're not allowing him to carry it as well, right? You're walking 
in that yoke by yourself. That's the root of this. And that I think is where, like you said, we get caught up in trying to fix the the circumstantial or the physical problems, but we never stop to address what's going on in our heart. We never take that step back and let the word of God show us what is truly happening in our hearts. Yeah. So that's step one. That's definitely, and we're not going to just cruise on by it either. Like if you're here and that's what you need to do, pause this and go pray, go get on your yeah. face before God. Like this is one of those issues that the enemy would love to make you think is just circumstantial or just yeah. physical. If he can keep us thinking that we can't fix it, we can't control it. It's something that's beyond what we're able to change. Then he'll keep us here. We'll stay here. Mm-hmm. Whereas we know that it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Yeah, Like we have been called to freedom and living in these kinds of habitual cycles of fatigue is not freedom. Now, again, the circumstantial and physical stuff is real. Yes. And he is there for us. He meets us there. Arm yourself with this so that as you walk through these situations, whether it's something that you've kind of stepped into yourself by taking up a burden you shouldn't, or something that just came upon you with no warning and now you're trying to deal with it, the default needs to be, Lord, take my burden. Mm-hmm. Like I, I'm casting my burdens on you yeah. and I'm taking up your yoke and I'm going to walk in stride with you through the season. Yeah. That's, that's the first step. That's the most important part of finding recovery of getting help and crawling out of this. So there is no one size fits all solution. I mean, obviously we talked about so many different things. These are some things that we've compiled that have helped. But again, don't forget, this is coupled with that heart change and that awareness of where you are with the Lord that needs to take place. So let's look at a few of these real quick. Verbalizing the problem. Let's not forget, we talked in stress and overstimulation, how important it is to say what's wrong. Mm -hmm. I mean, your husband, your friends, your family, they may have no idea where you are. They might just think you're grumpy all the time, if we're being honest. So using some words and being able to communicate. The next one is extra sleep. And I know this sounds like a slap in the face to all of you new moms who are going extra sleep. No, this is not a joke. Might not be very realistic in your season of life, but whatever you would consider the bare minimum of sleep of what you have to have to survive, try extending that a little bit. Just find other ways. Nothing is right if you're exhausted physically. Yeah. And even though this is not something that can be completely fixed by the physical decisions and choices that you made, it can really help make you feel better about the situation and have a better understanding. So prioritize your sleep. Eating well and drinking enough. And I have this in all caps, so I'm yelling this at you right now. This is not eating your kids leftover toast for breakfast. Okay. Like this is actually finding foods that nourish your body and are what you need to keep you going throughout the day and then drinking water, like lots of it. Yes. I am the worst at drinking water, (laughs) but it is so important night and day when you're drinking the right amount and it's being absorbed by your body the way it should be. It's night and day. That's another thing. And I I wasn't going to touch on this, but we will, because you said that being absorbed, I have stuff going on right now that makes it hard for my body to absorb water. And I actually, I have an issue with retaining water, but Mm -hmm. I also am dehydrated at the same time. And so it's just been really, really fun. And one of the things that I've (laughs) learned to help with that is by putting a little bit of sea salt in my water or taking a liquid IV every day. And it makes such a difference. I mean, it's been huge, this tiny little change I've made in my lifestyle. And I feel like I have more energy and more clarity. So drink your water, ladies. (laughs) This is your daily reminder. (laughs) I love what you said about the gratitude journal. Mm. Uh, 
I, I know I'm skipping points to get to that one. Oh, I don't care. You go right ahead. <laughs> but I love that one. It, it's so true. And even to take it a, a step further, there's an awesome podcast episode by Jonathan and Melissa Hauser. Uh, I think it's called like Journaling the Voice of God. Mm. And that has changed my life. Like that one thing, if you're not sure what God is speaking to you in this season, or you can't imagine a father that would take that yoke off your shoulders, you need to start journaling the voice of God because nothing makes you more thankful than being aware of God's goodness. Oh, I love that. And I tried the whole gratitude journal actually probably around that same season that I had walked through that time with a friend and I was writing things more like I thank you for air and I thank you for the ability to get Starbucks and not being in a third world country that doesn't have Starbucks and like that was the extent of content that I had and then after journaling the, with the voice of God, Lord, thank you. Yes. Lord, thank you for your heart for me and your yes. goodness for me and make me aware of that. And thank you so much for your heart for my child yes. and the ability that I have to pour into her life. And it, it just changed everything. Oh, I love that. So if you're not aware of God's goodness, you don't even know what things thankful is. That's right. Physical activity is a really good one. No one wants to hear that when they're feeling like this. You can get off my couch. it is like the worst advice to someone who's struggling with severe exhaustion or fatigue or early depression or anything like that they don't want to hear this but it's true Mm -hmm. I mean the other thing is that would help is snuggling a baby but you know considering you probably are already doing that or have at least (laughs) spent a significant amount of time in your life doing that like try just walking yeah. Just just get out, just go to your mailbox and back. Just if that's all you can do, mm-hmm. get your blood flowing. I mean, those endorphins are gold to you right now. Like yeah. if that's where you are, you need that. One of the things we love to do in our house and I'm not advocating for this. I cannot don't I'm not responsible for the amount of crazy this will bring to your house if you decide to do this. So, you know, proceed at own risk. But we like to play tag with our kids. But we are, the way our house is designed, we have our staircase in the middle. And then we have like, you can run around the staircase, but you can't see because there are different rooms and hallways and stuff. And so just right. like this endless loop and the kids like to do their circuit every day. You know? <laughs> but you'll sneak up to the side of a door and they can't see you and you'll like jump them or whatever. And then they'll they'll run and you, you'd start chasing them. And then halfway through chasing them, they've, they've not been paying attention. And so you stop and you turn around, and you get them the other side. right? <laughs> and it's one of those silly things. It's incredibly loud and incredibly silly and crazy, but it gets you going and it's fun. It's enjoyable to find ways to get active and allow your body to heal itself as you do. Mm -hmm. Don't just look at it like, well, I've got to move because, you know, someone said I needed to like, look at it as this is as important as eating good food and drinking my water and sleeping letting my body do what it was naturally made to do mm-hmm. when I'm overtaxed and allow it to, to, to be a part of that process. Yeah, absolutely. Another good one that actually kind of goes hand in hand for that is uh, accountability. Mm. And I know we talked about this in the stress and overstimulation, like, you know, sending a meme to your friend is not the same thing as asking <laughs> for accountability, <laughs> but no, like having a, a phone call with a person that you know will kick your butt. 
And yep. like, it, it can't be someone that you feel so comfortable with that you won't listen to them. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, so it can't be your husband. It can, Yeah. It, it needs to be someone that isn't also walking through a season of fatigue. I think find someone in your circle of friends or homeschool group or your church or maybe a sibling that just scares you a tiny bit and that can <laughs> text you at 5am and say, get your butt up before your kid wakes up, do your devotions, mm-hmm. drink your lemon water and write four things you're grateful for and send them to me and if you don't have that that's what our group is for that's right if you don't have anyone in your life that you can text throw it up there on the group who wants to be my account of buddy and you know i would happily take you up on that and i will kick your butt but (laughs) (laughs) i will come to your house and say we are going for a walk (laughs) but that's what our group is for so if you're not currently on there jump over it's wilder.ness mamas absolutely well this last one is something that really god has been speaking to me about lately when i've digested it i can't wait to share it with all of you but it's not there yet but i just couldn't keep it off the list allowing for a season of rest God has been talking to me this year about Sabbath. I'm still not quite at the point where I understand how all of it applies in my life, but I know that I dismissed it too quickly. I know that it's more than just having Sunday with your family or trying not to do stressful things or reading the Bible more. You know, like it's it's yeah. is an attitude, it's a state of mind. And so I just I would like to just throw that out there if it's something that resonates with you, go search it out like and study this with me because there is something from the beginning of creation that God instituted this day to be a day of rest. Mm. You know that there would be the 7th day was the day that he rested. And that that was the rhythm he was giving to humanity. And I mean, then of course he gave it to Israel as Sabbath and explained all the connotations and how it's connected to spirituality. But there's just something in us that needs a rhythm that includes rest. And I mean, with commitments and kids and calendars, and I mean, it is so hard. It's not built into our culture to observe Sabbath or even enjoy the benefits Mm -hmm. of a day of rest. So my challenge to you here would be clear your calendar yeah. If you're fatigued, if you're overbooked, if you're overcommitted, if you're starting to burn out, like that's a really good place to start. Have your husbands send the text. If you have to, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely more confrontational than my husband. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but whatever you have to do. Yeah. Because it's not about you not wanting to. It's about you literally aren't able to be the best you that you can be mm-hmm. with everything you have going on. It's not anything that we should feel ashamed about or you should feel guilty about. Absolutely not. This is one of those times that you can practice putting into place a boundary to help keep yourself healthy and also be proactive too. Like yes. maybe you're feeling like you're in a pretty good place, but you can see how if you continue on this trajectory, you're going to be looking at a burnout. So just take into consideration your commitments, your time, Mm-hmm. and allow yourself to find opportunities to explore this concept of Sabbath and rest that yeah. God has given us. It's not something that's extra. Like mm-hmm. he put it into the DNA of creation. So obviously it, it's something that we need and it's something that we'll suffer if we don't have it. So yeah, it's a part of his yoke and part of his way of living. 
that he wants us to adopt. Yeah. But, you know, we can't do that if we're not partnering with Christ. That's right. And I know we mentioned this in pretty much every solution ever, and it's the truth, but staying in the word and in prayer, it's so hard. I know for some of the moms especially or, you know, working wives, it's so hard to find and carve out time to spend a half hour or an hour or two hours in the word or in prayer a day. But it doesn't have to look like a set of time that you spend all to yes. God. It can look like just like your your husband and you can go on many dates. Mm-hmm. It can look like that where throughout the day, whether it's folding laundry and you have worship music on and you are pouring your heart out to Christ through yes. those words, or you have 10 minutes while your kids are at a meet and you can journal in the car, mm-hmm. or you have 30 minutes before your children get up and you can read the Bible and pray. You know, it doesn't have to look like one thing, but if your goal all throughout the day is having these little pockets of time mm-hmm. with God and you're including him, I had days where that's more powerful than the day I had two hours with yes. God on my face because because it's including him in your day or letting God include you in his plans for your day. Mm-hmm. And it's all about taking that yoke on. So learning to just incorporate his ideas and, and his word and his heart for you throughout your routine. Well, like you said in Matthew 11, where it says, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Yeah. Like it is a rhythm. It's a, it's a heartbeat. It's walking continually with him by your side, conscientious of the fact that he's calling the shots, he's making the decisions, and he's bearing the burden. Yeah, absolutely. So we've covered a lot of ground today. I feel like we've (laughs) kind of gone on a little journey. (laughs) I hope that wherever you are, whether you're experiencing a season of burnout or fatigue or whether you're actually in a really great place right now (laughs) that you would have gleaned something from today because I certainly know I have I mean when we sat down and started recording you had shared some of these things with me about you know well we need to be carrying you know the burden he gives us and all that but just listening to how it all has been laid out like this I mean God's hand was in this like I I have no doubt and so we just pray that this has been as much of a blessing to you as it has been to us we are all about being proactive over here. And so when we started planning for this episode, the first thing we both said was, well, how do you not get there? (laughs) How do you not get to fatigue? And we definitely wanted to cover it because we think it's, you know, a place where a lot of us have maybe spent a little bit of time. Mm -hmm. But obviously the goal would be that we don't get anywhere near that. And so today we have definitely covered some of that. But next time we have a self-care episode planned And I mean, this is not your typical self-care, so I just want you to buckle up, like get ready. It's not bath bombs, I will tell you that much right now. But we're going to be walking through that and looking at what having rhythms in your life, kind of like Sabbath, that keep you in a healthy place all the time. Yeah. So we're really excited to dive into that with you. If you have thoughts, comments, additional things that you think should be discussed, hop on our Facebook group and tell us. We want to know. We want to be talking about what you want to be talking about. We want to be answering questions or sharing your stories. So if you have anything to add, please just jump on and tell us. We would love to hear your story. We are so blessed and so honored to be able to have this voice in your life, to be able to be in a place where we can have these conversations with you. We thank you for listening. We pray that you would be blessed today, that you would continue to see God walking beside you, carrying that burden with you today. We love you so much. We're so proud of you. You are doing a great job. Stay wild, mamas.